put a straight jacket on Dan Campbell if that's what it takes. The Seattle Seahawks come to Detroit this weekend, and the Motor City Football Lions need this dub. No Amon Ross St. Brown, no DeAndre Swift, potentially no Ragnow, no Jonah Jackson, no TJ Hawkinson. No problem as long as Dan Campbell cannot make the shape of a T with his hands before we have the ball in our last possession of the game. Michigan State travels to College Park, Maryland. Taulia Tagovailoa, younger brother of Miami Dolphins phenom, Tua Tagovailoa is a little banged up. Will that matter? I'm not totally certain. I don't care if Mel Tucker has to put out 11 popsicle sticks to play defense this weekend. Try something new in College Park because you know what, Mel? It may not get better, but it cannot get worse. And the University of Michigan Wolverines travel to Iowa where top five teams go to die. The only thing Iowa could score on is a guy who's got a Freddie Mercury mustache at an Elton John concert. And even then they'd struggle. Can Michigan get it done in a historically challenging place for highly ranked teams to play, including those Michigan Wolverines? This is the Detroiter. We're covering sports in the Motor City and Mitten State. And I'm your host, Nick Bradley. How the fuck is that for an intro? Are you kidding? Are you absolutely kidding? How about that for an intro? Can we just get one, just give it up for a second here? I mean, I really don't want to toot my own horn. I don't want to do that right off the way. That doesn't feel like, (laughs) I just got got mucus just flew down my throat. That was bad. I don't know if you guys could hear that. It's like a little bit of a popping noise, like a, a fucking kernel of mucus just flew down the back of my throat, nearly choking me into submission. Too powerful, drink too much water, my throat is way too strong. Not for reasons that you may think, you fucking sick weirdo, but just because I like neck workouts, I like to stretch my neck. I've actually been having my upper back has been kind of tight lately. I don't know if it's because of how I've been sleeping, so I've been like working overtime, doing the neck rolls. It has been a little tight, but I digress. We're here, we're back, another week, another Detroiter podcast previewing this weekend's matchups. And I feel pretty good today. I've gotten over what happened to both of my teams last weekend, Michigan state and the lions. Um, and now it kind of is what it is. You guys know me at this point, right? Like I'm a, I'm a positive vibes guy. I have no interest in coming on here and doing the doomsday routine, Michigan state. We're fucked. Why this stinks. We're going to go get our asses kicked by Maryland. Is that too far off from how I actually feel? Not necessarily. I don't have the most faith. If Talia, I know he's questionable right now. I think he hurt his ribs at the end of the Michigan game last week, and he may not play against Michigan State. Father, son, Holy Spirit, get his ass out of the football game. But if he does, I don't feel good. I've been reading. I've been told that the backup that came in for Maryland in that Michigan game also was pretty good. Doesn't make me feel any better. Um, Who knows? Knowing Michigan State, knowing the way that defense has been this year, And last year and the year before that, that backup is going to burst onto the scene and announce himself to America. And suddenly he'll be available in the Heisman odds and all your betting sites. That's just the way it's gone for this defense. That is the uh, testament to the lack of adjustment, the lack of improvement we've seen from the defense week to week, year to year. So no, I'm not very excited for the Maryland game Saturday. And I'd be lying if I said I was. I know that I am one of the more level-headed optimistic MSU fans out there, certainly when it comes to the Detroit Lions. I've said it before, two weeks ago when they lost that game to, uh, or three weeks now, I guess, fucking time's flying. When they lost to the Eagles, I said it, I came on here and was like, what is the deal 
with Lions fans. We lose one game to a team who three weeks in now, I think people are saying probably the best team in the NFC, either them or Green Bay, one of the top two teams in the NFC. I don't think you can really argue that. I came on here and said, why is it that Lions fans seem to be pleased to tell you that they lost to the Eagles? Seem excited to go, same old Lions, told you so. We're not going to win many games. After we lost to arguably a top four team in the NFL, the Bills, the Chiefs, Eagles, Packers, I like Eagles might be the best team in the NFL, to be quite frank. How is it that people in the Lions fan base are running around telling me how bad the Lions are after we lose that game? That shit annoyed me. Straight up, that bothered me. It made me angry. I felt obligated to come on here and stress myself out and be mad. Not at the Lions, not at how the game went, not at the fact that they lost. Come on here and be mad at people who call themselves fans. Do you know how fucking annoying that is? And I'm not claiming to be like the beacon of all Lions fans. Although I would like to be that one day. That's like the end goal, right? Is to be the one-stop shop for all sports. Detroit, Michigan, Michigan State. I want everybody, when a game ends, the first thought on their mind to be, let's. I want to go hear what Nick Bradley has to say. Let's go tune in. Let's jump in the chat room. Let's shoot the shit. Listen to the pod. Watch the YouTube video. That's the end goal. Absolutely. Have I achieved that yet? Absolutely not. But with that said, I have I have a problem seeing Lions fans do that shit. Michigan State fans were doing it this week, and I think it probably was a little bit more warranted. The thing with the Lions that drives me nuts is the reason that people give for hating and being like, I fucking told you, same old Lions. The reason they give is the fact that they've been bad for 60 years. When I'm like, dude, the last 58 years, that has nothing to do with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. The 58 years before 2021, that has what is nothing. That has no fucking correlation to what happens in the year 2022. So that shit bothers me even more so when it comes to the Lions stuff. And I can't sit tight. I can't just sit here and have people running around spreading this SOL bullshit like, they're excited that the Lions lost because now that they they can tell you I was right when I said SOL all offseason, that shit actually makes my blood boil. People were doing it with Michigan State as well. Um, after this week, like Mel Tucker, he's stealing 95 mil. We should give that money to Kenneth Walker. Another just similar scenario where it's like, do you, not, do you really not understand the big picture? College, much harder to turn something around than the pro level. Do you really not understand the big picture? Can you really, do you honestly look in the mirror? Do you honestly log into Twitter? Do you honestly think about what you're going to type? Even if you are a troll, which people will always troll, that's college football. If you're a Michigan fan, Ohio State, Penn State, whatever, obviously people are going to roast MSU fans. We were all gassed up and we should have been again. That's the point of college football. We all were gassed up. Pumping tucks, tires, talking about the recruiting. 11 wins in year two when we were supposed to be the worst team in the Big Ten. 2-0 and against Michigan, one of which those years we were 24-and-a-half-point fucking underdogs and we went to the big house and beat Michigan. Don't think people have forgotten about that. So obviously we came into this year ready to fucking roll. We were telling everybody how great we are. Michigan State fans, I think just inherently people that go to MSU you feel that sense of pride. Like I love walking around wearing my state shit. I was taking a walk. I think on Tuesday, wearing an MSU, the logo right fucking here on my chest. And I'm walking around going, Ugh, tough day. You know, after a couple tough weekends, I wonder if there's any college football fans that I walk by that are looking at me going like, 
fucking poor bastard. Poor, I'll pour one out for you tonight. I was walking and a lady gives me a go green. And I'm like, I'm in Newport Beach, California. It's Tuesday at 6 p.m. I'm walking some random trail and a lady hits me with a go green. That's the type of shit that well, I'll forever be happy. I'll forever be proud. I'll forever tell people and pump tires of MSU. That's just it. It's inherently within me now. I went to school there for four and a half years. It will be part of me. When I die, a little patch of my heart will be Spartan green. It just is what it is at this point. So with that said, we were right to pump the tires of Tucker. We were right to be rah, rah, and fired up. That's the whole fucking point of sports in general, let alone college sports. Do you know what I would give? Do you know what I would give to come into an NFL season going, the Detroit Lions are fucking it this year? Like to be an Eagles fan coming into this year, do you know what I would give to trade places to just go up to any fa- Patriots fan, Bills fan, Chiefs fan? I don't give to go up to anyone and be like, hey, dude, we're going to have the best running game in the NFL this year. And nothing you can do to say about the history, same old Lions, Thanksgiving, whatever you want to say isn't going to change shit because my team this year is that fucking good. Do you all know how badly I want to go up to anybody and say, we're going to win at least 12 games this season. And that's just a fact. Nothing will change that. Injuries won't change that. We're that fucking good. We're going to win 12 games and win the NFC North without a problem. Do you know what I would give to be in a position where not only I can go around and confidently say that, but even with a hint of bias, even with a little Honolulu blue tinted shades, just believe that honestly come into a September going, I genuinely think the Detroit lions are the best team in the NFC North. Do you know how badly I want that to happen? So when it happens with a college team with Michigan state, of course, and college fans, I think are even a little more crazy. I think it's probably easier for us to look at the Lions or look at pro teams and be objective and go, yeah, we probably won't be the best. Yeah, this, you know, we'll run a six, seven, eight, maybe nine if we have a great year. I think it's a lot easier for fans to be objective when it comes to the pro level. Don't know if it's because I went to the school, so I feel more a part of it. I lived where they play fucking games every weekend, where thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people flood to a couple Saturdays a year. I lived there for five falls. I was immersed in it. You don't go to a place like Michigan State. You don't wake up on Saturdays in the fall there and not give everything you have to the football program. It just doesn't happen. Like you are fucking branded on the forehead, Hans Landa swastika style. Not a swastika, it's a block S, much less offensive, doesn't imply anything. There were no solutions. If you're an MSU hater, you would say, we can't even find the solution because we're that stupid. So don't, you know, let's not make any false equivalencies there. But you're branded on the forehead, Hans Landa, Bowie knife style, a Spartan S that just says, I'm going to care as much as I can possibly care about MSU football every single season that exists until I'm 93 and can't even remember what my fucking wife's name is. Not that I'll ever get married because nobody's ever going to love me, but that's the point. You see what I'm trying to say? You just are in it now. So when MSU is good, we're going to pump the tires. It is what it is. And when we get roasted, which rightfully so, we should get roasted. We've been roasting Michigan every single year, all of the years before last year. Everybody has Ohio state fans, 
certainly MSU fans, Penn State fans, fucking everybody, West Coast, down South, everyone hates Michigan. Everybody roasts them. Everybody calls out Harbaugh for being there for seven years, being the golden boy, being the QB whisperer, and burning through Heisman Trophy winner after Heisman Trophy winner. We all made the jokes. So when we are down bad after a full offseason of telling everyone how great we are, of course we're going to get fucking roasted. But here's the thing. The trolls are the trolls. Anybody who is saying the 95 million, how long before he leaves? What's the buyout going to be? Tuck still coming. Anybody who's doing that, the trolls are the trolls. But anybody who's doing that and believes it, and God forbid you're echoing those kind of sentiments and you consider yourself a Michigan State football fan, anybody who truly deep down believes that, you don't understand what's going on. It is the big picture. Things are going to come to Michigan State. It's already improved. The recruiting's already at a level that it's never been before. That's just a fact. That is a plain fact. We have two commits in the 2024 class, each of them top 200 players, one of them top 100 player, the number nine ranked class in the country, the highest ranked class in America with two people in it. I know that's obviously going to change. That's obviously going to change. It's not going to finish ranked ninth, obviously, but that wouldn't even happen with D'Antonio. You would never, two guys in, be in the top 10. Two guys in, you would never have the number one two-man class. None of that shit happens with D'Antonio. So I know we've taken a step back from 11-2 and last year, and you can read all about D'Antonio's third year, what happened. College football rebuilds in general, the third year, the fourth year, tend to be the darkest because now all those dog shit recruits, they're the juniors and the seniors. It's how it goes. It's how college football rebuilds work. Shit happens. You're not going to win them all every year. Not even Nick Saban in Alabama does. But if you're one of those fans going, what are we going to do with Mel Tucker? Is he, he can't coach. You need to fucking figure it out. You need to critically think for a moment. There are going to be the trolls, rightfully so. You're a state fan. You want this thing to be successful. You want to believe. You got to take a deep breath. Everything's going to be okay. So we're not going to be doom and gloom. But at the same time today, when we talk Michigan State, Maryland, I'm not going to be out here going, oh, I can't wait for the game. I mean, I'm a lot less interested now. I'm going to watch the game, of course. But now it's like, eh, if we win, okay. At least we didn't embarrass ourselves again. Like, that's what we're playing for now. If we lose, it's like, ah, God damn it, we fucking are really bad, aren't we? So that's where we're at now. It's tough for me to get up. I'm not going to be doom and gloom with it, but I'm not going to come on here telling you we win this game, then we got the big time. I'm not going to be doing that anymore because that's disingenuous. The Lions, I still do feel pretty good about. How couldn't you? We've got three cupcakes lined up. I do think we are a good team despite Dan Campbell being able to use his hands and blow a whistle. I do think the Lions have everything they want ahead of them. I do think they will bounce back. Couple guys injured, get them healthy. This team is dynamic. We've scored points. I think the defense has been better week over week. You just need to stay aggressive. There are easy fixes within the Lions. And fortunately for them, they have the benefit of the doubt of playing a fairly favorable schedule. And the offense doesn't have anything broken with it, really. All they have to do is call offense like they want to score. No more, let's run it three times and punt for an entire quarter. And you'll score 30 a game. Seattle's defense stinks. We still got Jared Goff. We got the bulk of the O-line. We still got Ben Johnson. No Amon Ra would hurt. We got other wide receivers. DJ Chark looks like he'll play. Josh Reynolds can do a couple things. We got a couple guys. Quintez Cephas is there. It'll be okay for the Lions. Michigan State, eh, I'm not so sure. And obviously, Michigan's still undefeated. They're still rolling. They got a test this weekend, so we'll see. But if you're a Michigan fan, you should be feeling pretty good too. So let me take a quick break, and we will talk – 
I don't want to spend a ton of time on MSU today just because MSU, Maryland, we stink. I mean, nobody, even if you are an MSU fan, are you coming into the game this weekend? Like we're, we fucking, we're going to steamroll Maryland. I do think it's a big game just as far as confidence. Like if you lose this one again, and especially if you lose this one and it's bad again, pressure is going to just exponentially build. There is no wait and see. If you lose 34 to three to Maryland, there is no, let's feel it out and see if they can improve. It's like Scotty Hazleton, don't get back on the fucking bus. Mel Tucker, people are going to start saying wild shit about you. They already have. There already are people going, are we sure Mel Tucker's the guy? You get embarrassed for a third time in a row against Maryland? People within your fan base, I'm sure the powers that be at Michigan State, a couple people will be asking some questions. It is what it is. I don't think they're correct. I don't think that this is the end-all be-all. I think it's very far from it. In 2024, if this is still happening, then we'll have a different conversation. But nonetheless, you lose this game in a bad way to Maryland, people will start to talk, Mel Tucker. I think it's a must-win for the Lions, just seeing as though the Seahawks are this fucking bad. And this team has gone in a matter of three weeks, as disappointing as that Minnesota game was. This Lions team has gone from, I don't know, let's see if we can win four or five games and get a good quarterback in the draft to, well, I I don't know why we couldn't win eight, nine. I don't know why we couldn't make a playoff run interesting. I don't know if we'll make it, but I don't know why December football games have to have no meaning. I'm not so certain that's the case with this team anymore. So quick break. We'll get into the Michigan State game. And then we'll do the lines and then we'll spend some good time on uh, Michigan this week. Quick break. Okay. Plain and simple. If you get torched by Maryland again, people have to get fired. I, I legitimately think, I think it's kind of surprising to be honest with you. A few things. One that Scotty Hazleton survived the off season. I think that is fairly surprising. Just because you look at what happened with the end of the D'Antonio era and so much of the anger and the fan base's just urge for shit to change was because he refused to change his staff. So if you look at that, if you're Mel Tucker, it's like this is a fan base. You're coaching at a school that is kind of fresh off and is pretty sensitive to a lack of change at the coordinator spots where – People clearly weren't getting it done, and the coach refused to do anything about it. So you're already on thin ice when it comes to that conversation. B, the guy had a full year. The guy had a full year. I mean, think about this. We went 11-2 and last year. Yes, we had Kenneth Walker, generational player. We went 11-2 and last year. Peyton Thorne was much better, absolutely. We went 11-2 and last year with one of the worst defenses in college football. Can you imagine what would have happened if our defense was like 70th? We probably don't lose to Purdue. Probably still lose to Ohio State. I mean, we got fucking, there is no world. We could have had Iron Man, Superman, and the Incredible Hulk on the defense. They still probably edge us by a touchdown. But you probably beat Purdue. All of a sudden, you make the Big Ten title game if Ohio State loses to Michigan and we beat Michigan. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be, but all of a sudden that season ends a whole lot differently. If your defense is ranked 70th, so the fact already that Mel Tucker retained Scotty from one season to the other where he did not even come close to getting it done. Because think about it this way too. If Michigan State is going to be the program that I believe and I think a lot of us believe it can be, where we want it to go, 
the reason Mel Tucker was brought in. If we want to be an Alabama, a Georgia, an Ohio State, or even a cut below those teams, a Michigan, a USC, a Texas A&M, whoever, if we want to be one of those teams, you don't have defenses that finish in the 100s. You don't have offenses that finish in the 100s. And if we're being quite frank, we won 11 games last year with the worst defense. That defense is in the 70s. Maybe we beat Purdue. That's 12 or 12 and 1. Who knows what happens? Who knows? We maybe make the Big Ten. Who knows what bowl game we're in? Whatever. You probably don't even retain coordinators who are putting out offenses or defenses ranked in the 70s. Think about that for a moment. Scotty Scotty Hazleton's defense wasn't ranked 73rd last year. It was ranked like 120-something. Nick Saban's defense last year, if they were ranked 73rd, whoever fucking coached them, he's probably working at Alabama State this year, right? So the fact that we're giving leash to a guy who's got a defense in the triple digits, let alone in the 70s, that's a little alarming. And then two straight weeks, the first two teams you play with a pulse, his defense gets shredded back-to-back weeks. Michael Penix is a dog, no doubt. Washington seems like they're going to be pretty fucking good. And I honestly, I think Minnesota will be decent this year, but Tanner Morgan is not Michael Penix. Tanner Morgan is a quarterback that it should not be a death sentence by any fucking means. And the defense made zero adjustments. It didn't even look 1% more competent from one week to the other. And this is coming off an entire year of having a worse defense than teams like Kent State. The golden fucking flashes had a better defense than you. The fact that there has been no change That's alarming. That's wearing thin. If this happens again against Maryland this weekend, they put up 34 and it's easy. Nothing's changed. We're still not getting pressure. We're still seven yards off every man. We still are somehow, we're somehow always seven yards off when they run a comeback, but still seven yards behind whenever they run a fade. It's a weird double-edged sword that we're never on the positive end of. If that happens again, I think it is Scotty Hazleton. Forget it, pal. The Greyhound leaves at six. I think it has to be that because fans are going to come for heads and they're not going to stop at Scotty Hazleton if that shit happens for the third week in a row. People are going to start to talk about you, Mel Tucker. I think they're wrong, but they will have a little bit more validity to whatever they're saying. Each week that goes by that your defense gets fucking embarrassed by teams not named Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State, is another week where people, more and more fingers are going to go from Scotty Hazleton to Mel Tucker and go, what's your deal, bro? Maybe you're not coaching the defense super hands-on. You're the one letting this maniac fucking control it. And it doesn't work and you won't change it. So what the fuck is the deal? That's the only thing I care about. As far as the game goes, do I think MSU is going to win? Probably not. Why the fuck would I? Why would anybody think Michigan State's going to win this game? Our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed, dude. Our defense couldn't stop my high school's offense. We scored like four touchdowns in nine games. Your Michigan State's defense would have made me look like Johnny Unitas, bro. I could barely throw the ball 50 yards in the air. Maybe. How the fuck... After what Talia Tagovailoa, maybe he won't play, and Maryland did to Michigan last week. What they put up, 24, 27, something like that? How the fuck on the road at the big house against a Michigan defense that's way better than ours? How the fuck 
am I supposed to look at that and go, yeah, Michigan State will shut them down because we've done so great the last two weeks at home. So let's go on the road and we'll shut these guys down. We couldn't score a point against Minnesota. How the fuck am I supposed to come on here and honestly tell you, I think this is the Peyton Thorne bounce back game. Peyton Thorne figures it out today. Peyton Thorne's going to have a big one. I don't even want Peyton Thorne to play, to be honest with you. I don't know if that's cruel. I don't know if that's too soon. To me, it doesn't really feel like it. One third of the year has gone by. Four games, that's a third of the year. It's over with. He has played good one half of those. And in that one half, we were down big. They were kind of parking the bus and saying, here you go, take seven yards every play. And Peyton Thorne padded the stats a little bit. Played eight halves of football. One of them has been above average for Peyton Thorne. This is a guy that's supposed to be a leader, a guy that we needed to step up in the absence of Kenneth Walker, and a guy that if we're going to have any shot, apparently, against teams like Minnesota and Washington, let alone Michigan, Ohio State, we need him to play well and be consistent and be a level force for this team. He's fumbling in the red zone. He's throwing horrible fucking interceptions. He's not coming close to improving. It's been four games. This season, we're staring down the barrel of a wash as it is. Unless we win out, this season's a wash. And who the fuck thinks we're winning out? Nobody with a brain, because we aren't. Let's see what else anybody, let's see what anybody else has. Let's see what Noah Kim can do. Let's see what Caden Hauser can do. Because Caden Hauser, he's the future of the program. In 2024, when we are talking about winning 10 games plus every year, when we are talking about reeling in top 15 classes every year, when we are talking about going to the horseshoe and winning that game for a berth to Indianapolis, when those seasons come around, Caden Hauser is going to be the guy throwing the pigskin. Peyton Thorne will be an analyst at Western Illinois or something. Caden Hauser is going to be the guy in the pocket. So it's been a third of the season. He's gotten worse. I don't care how great of a leader he is. I don't care how great of a connection he has with Reed. I'm sure Mel loves him. I like Peyton Thorne. He seems like a good dude. It's nothing against him. This is Michigan State. And again, to hearken back to what I said, if we want Michigan State to be what we believe Mel Tucker is going to turn them into, this is no fucking daycare. This is no, oh, your dad paid the $500 so Peyton gets 15 snaps today. Fuck no. Nick Saban pulled his quarterback at halftime of the national championship game. You can't pull your quarterback after four games when it's clear, more than clear, he's not getting it done. He wasn't getting it done against Akron and Western Michigan. What's going to happen when you play Ohio State? What's going to happen when you play Michigan? Fucking make something happen. He hasn't been able to. Noah Kim, granted it's been against the scrubs, has made some nice throws. What's the harm in seeing what he does against the ones? Caden Hauser, yeah, he's young. Yeah, he doesn't have a ton of experience. He has all the potential in the world, though. Let's give him a half. See what he's got. Can't get any worse. We got snubbed by Minnesota. What's he going to do? Score less than zero points? Doubt it. I don't think so. It's time to switch it up. Peyton Thorne, thank you for last year. You've had a third of this year. Straight up, you're not getting it done. This isn't a fucking charity league. Your dad is not the coach. This is Michigan State. If we want to be a big boy program, make changes. You don't just get to play because you played in the past. You don't just get to play because you're older than the other guy. You get to play because you fucking perform. You execute. You do what you're supposed to, and you show up to a high standard every single Saturday. Peyton Thorne, there's been four of them now in a row where he hasn't been able to do that. So you know what? Find someone else who can. And that goes for the defense, too. That's the only thing I want to see. Two things from the defense this week. I want to see, A, fucking blitz. 
if you're just going to give up passing all day, you're going to give up 10 yard outs all day. I would rather ascend six guys every single play and make their quarterback, Talia or whoever, stand in there, eat a helmet under the chin and deliver that 10 yard out, than rush for, let rush for, let him stand there all day and deliver that 10 yard out anyways. Because guess what, dude? Those extra two guys in coverage that are covering the 42 yard marker and the sideline, they're not doing shit. Clearly, it's not working. So if you're going to go down, which it seems like you will because you never do anything not to, go down swinging. Bring a little heat. Make Talia or whoever's in there make decisions under pressure. Make him decide who the ball's going to like this. Not like, okay, well, he's wide open. Let's see if this guy 10 yards deeper is wide open. Oh, the deep ball, the touchdown. He's open too. Don't let him do that. Make him go, fuck. I think, I hope. Make him do that. One and two, again, similar to Peyton Thorne. Amir Speed, thanks for coming from Georgia. Ronald Williams, thank you for coming from Alabama. Chester Kimbrough, thanks for coming from Florida. How these three guys, you were on Alabama, you were on Georgia, you were on Florida. These guys had scholarships to play cornerback at big-time SEC schools, and they come to Michigan State, and they couldn't guard a fucking dish rag. How that happens, I can't tell you. But what I do know is it can't get worse once again. What I do know is there are guys with legs behind them. What I do know is there are four-star, high three-star products behind them. Caleb Coley, Jaden Mangum, Dylan Tatum. Try something. Give somebody a shot. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it has to be all freshmen. I don't care if they're seven pounds underweight. I don't give a fuck. Whatever you're doing with whoever you're doing it with does not work. If you got to play all freshmen, play all freshmen. Because, again, Angelo Gross, you shouldn't get to play just because you've played before. You shouldn't get to play just because you're 21 and he's 19. You should get to play because you do what the coaches tell you to and you make fucking plays. You contribute to winning football. Anybody who's played the last four, but certainly the last two on a regular basis, they haven't contributed shit to winning football because you haven't won those games. As a matter of fact, you've gotten embarrassed in both of those games, especially defensively. So if you got to do a wholesale change, fucking do it. Because you have to change something, Scotty Hazelton. You have to change something, Mel Tucker. Another quick break. We'll talk the Lions. As far as the Lions go, last week was a bummer. We talked about it on Tuesday. If you want to sulk and be upset and hear me be upset about Dan Campbell somehow still <laughs> not understanding timeouts. How the fuck, dude? Forget Dan Campbell. How are there so many coaches, Nathaniel Hackett in Denver? How are there so many coaches that don't understand how timeouts work? Honest to God, how are there so many NFL head coaches making millions of dollars and they don't understand the most simple part of the game, the most simple part of their job? There are nine-year-olds who play Madden who are playing Madden right now, who are skipping their geometry test to play fucking Madden, who know how timeouts work. They're being ridiculed by their teachers and their parents going, you're never going to be successful. You're a loser. You're going to be a low life. They know more things about jobs that guys that 40-year-old, 50-year-old guys that make millions of dollars do. There's a nine-year-old in fucking Oak Park, Michigan right now who's beating up on the on the Las Vegas Raiders with the New Orleans Saints, who knows more about clock management than Dan Campbell does. 
That's fucking how. Let it sink in because it's true. How? I, I don't like Dan, dude. Timeouts are so fucking easy to understand. They really are so easy to understand. Here are pretty much the rules. One, don't use them unless you have to. You break that rule like twice a game. Don't use timeouts unless you have to. You break that rule twice a game. And I don't really get that because so rarely are there moments where you truly have to use your timeouts. Really. Don't fucking use them unless you have to, Dan. Especially if it's in the first quarter or it's in the third quarter. If it's early in the half, you really, 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 really should have to use that timeout for you to burn it. Like, really, your mother's going to die. There's a robber in your fucking headset, a criminal, a felon is in your headset going, I got a letter opener to your grandmother's jugular. If you don't burn a timeout here, I'm going to spill her blood all over the Sunday crossword. That has to be the scenario damn near for you to burn a timeout with 10 minutes in the first quarter. Damn near. Don't use timeouts unless you absolutely need to. Rule number one. Rule number two of timeouts. Every time you don't think you're going to need a timeout at the end of a half, I bet you probably will wish you had a timeout. I.e. last week. I.e. I think it was before half against Philly. Couple times already. We've played three games. There's been a few times already this year where it's either coming up on halftime or the end of the game. And I'm sitting there going, Dan, how do we only have one timeout? What happened to the other two? I don't even know when we took them because there was no crucial moment where I was like, let's burn one. Where the fuck did they go? Dan Campbell took one on a second and eight for some reason. Why the hell did you do that, Dan? You will need those timeouts. You may think you won't. You will need those timeouts. Okay. Don't use the timeout unless you have to. And every time you think you won't need the timeout at the end of the half, I promise you, you probably will. Especially if it's a close game. You need to figure out the timeout, Dan. It's the easiest part of your job. And it's not even remotely close. It, it really isn't even remotely close that it's the easiest part of your job. I mean, you're looking at motivating grown men who are already banking millions of dollars to go out there and collide with other grown men and probably injure themselves. You have to motivate them. That's difficult to do. You have to keep a coaching staff around you and make sure they're doing their jobs and keep them motivated. That's difficult to do. You have to identify talent, make sure the best players are playing at all times. Difficult. Keep a relationship with Brad Holmes, the front office. Make sure everyone's happy on the same page. That's difficult. There's a handful of things you got to do, Dan, that are really important and pretty fucking challenging, I would imagine. I wouldn't know how to motivate a locker of NFL players. I wouldn't know how to do that. I would struggle. It'd take me some time to learn. You know what I do know how to do? Not burn a timeout when it's fourth and fucking four and we're going to go out there and kick a field goal anyway. Got a GameCube, I think, when I was like nine years old. I remember I opened it up on Christmas Day. I wanted the GameCube. I asked my parents for They said, what do you want for Christmas, Nick? I said, I want a GameCube. I remember opening it. I remember seeing the little logo. I remember seeing it came with Double Dash, so they had the picture of Mario and Peach riding around. And I remember going, ah, screaming and running around my parents' house. Ah, I got a GameCube. I remember that. Shortly after that day, I bought Madden like 2008, something like that. The one with Ray Lewis on the cover, EA Sports. It's in the game. Defense wins championships. That was the cutscene. 
That year, I mastered the art of burning timeouts. I mastered, I knew the ins and outs, when to take them, when to save them. I knew a timeout like the back of my fucking hand. I was maybe nine years old, 10 years old. In the daytime, I'd play Mario Kart Double Dash, and I could school you in that too. And once the sun went down, I was practicing using timeouts. I couldn't even multiply, Dan. You need, you need to learn to use timeouts. It's a must-win game for the Lions this week. Let's face it. The Seahawks are bad. I don't care. I know there's a little bit of injury trouble with the Cats. Like I said earlier, Amon Ra may not play. Swift doesn't look like he's going to play. Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, iffy. TJ Hawkinson's iffy. Tracy Walker tore his Achilles last week. That fucking sucks. There are a lot of injuries, a lot of big-time players for this team that are banged up. But the good news is Seattle's fucking terrible, dude. Their quarterback's Geno Smith. They, they wrote me off. I write them back, though. Brother, nobody wrote you here. Nobody knows your P.O. box. Nobody knows your name. Nobody knows anything about you. Even if we wanted to write you, nobody in Detroit would. Plain and simple. You're not going to write back. We never gave you the address. There no was return. There was no return to sender. We didn't even bother going down to the post office and buying stamps, Gino, for you and the Seahawks. That's how bad of a team you guys are. They won their Super Bowl. They beat Russell Wilson week one. This is a bad team. We're back at Ford Field. One and two, disappointing loss, but the crowd is going to be rocking. I'd be surprised if it wasn't sold out. They're going to be loud. The fans will be expecting a win. I think the players, the coaching staff should be expecting a win. They should go in there with the mindset of, we're taking this fucking game. We're much better than these guys. We're going to run it down their throats all game. Jared Goff, the passing game, the play action is going to be wide open. Jared's been great through three. He's going to be even better through four. Amon Ra's out, fine. Next man up, DJ Chark's going to have a breakout. We'll show you why we signed him this offseason. TJ Hawkinson, if he plays, we'll show you why we drafted him. He's a matchup nightmare. We're going to use him a little bit more now that we have to. Jamal Williams, Craig Reynolds, more than fine. Backing up DeAndre Swift will be just fine in the backfield. Jonah Jackson's out, fine. Frank Ragnell may not play, fine. Penny Sewell, Taylor Decker. We saw John Skipper. We saw what everybody did week two, patching together the O-line. will be just fine. And then on the defensive side of the ball, all right, Kirk Cousins got us back a little bit. Carson Wentz started to get us back a little bit. Jalen Hurts and the Birds torched us. Geno Smith's garbage. Their offensive line's garbage. The only player they have, they have Kenneth Walker, but they don't use him nearly enough. That's their downfall. And they have DK Metcalf. Chef Okuda just happens to have been great all season long. And oh yeah, by the way, for DK Metcalf to be successful, Geno Smith has to throw him the football. Nobody bought return to sender stamps, Geno. Nobody's taking the 15 minutes out of their day to go to the post office to write you off. Nobody even knows who you are, Geno. The Seahawks are fucking garbage. We should steamroll these guys. I don't care if every single starter on both sides of the ball is out. We should steamroll the Seattle Seahawks at home coming off that loss. We should. We're we're six and a half point favorites, I believe. We should beat these guys by 14 or more. This game should be over at halftime. The score at half should be 21 to three, Lions. By the end, it should be 35-10, Lions. We should absolutely manhandle these guys in every facet of the game. Defensively, where did we get into trouble last week against Minnesota? And we've gotten into trouble in the past. Trubisky with the Bears comes to mind when I think of dog shit quarterbacks on bad teams. We get into trouble when we sit back. 
We get into trouble when we rush four, don't generate any pressure, and we sit back in a zone and let the quarterback sit there for nine seconds and decide who the most friendly face, friendliest face is and throw the ball there. That's where we get into the trouble. Be aggressive, Aaron. Sure, test out the four-man rush to start. Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson aren't getting it done, which that would be nice to see. That would be nice to see Aiden Hutchinson being unblockable off the edge. I would enjoy that for for you know for a change. He had a couple sacks against Washington, but it was stunts. It was Carson Wentz trying to get out of the pocket and evade pressure, and Hutchinson was kind of Johnny on the spot. I'd like to see Hutchinson pin his ears back and decide, you know what? Nobody on this bullshit Seahawks roster is going to come close to blocking me today. So there you go. That's what it is. That's how it's going to go for you guys. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but if that doesn't come to fruition and we can't rush for and apply pressure and make Geno Smith be Geno Smith, then you've got to send a little bit of help. Bring a fifth man. Send a sixth man. Get the linebacker stunt and bring a corner every once in a while. You have to be aggressive, Aaron. When we find ourselves in trouble on defense, it's when we sit back and say, here, you know what? We'll let you make the decisions. We're either going to win or lose based on your decisions. No, no, no. Fuck that. We're going to win or lose based on our, based on the Detroit Lions decisions. We're going to win or lose because Aaron Glenn decided Geno Smith's not going to have more than two and a half seconds on a single drop back to, or on Sunday. We're going to win or lose because Dan Campbell will not kick a field goal on another fourth and short. We're going to win or lose because we're going to play up on DK Metcalf and we're going to get after Geno Smith and tell him to eat a helmet to his fucking nose and put the ball right on the money where Jeff Okuda in his lockdown coverage can't make a play on it. If we're, we're going to win or we're going to lose like that, because when it comes down to that, give me our guys versus Geno fucking Smith and his ragtag bandana holes in it, knitted sweater offensive line. Plain and simple. Be aggressive. The defense struggles when we sit back, when we park the bus, when we act like there's not enough points in the world for them to score to come back in a football game. Offensively, do what we do. Seattle's defense is bottom 12. Run the fucking ball. Run the fucking ball. And when they're expecting the run, take the handoff, throw the fucking ball. Plain and simple. The offense has been great. The play calling mix up until the fourth quarter last week has been great. The only difference is offensively, Similar to the defense, do there is no take your foot off the pedal. I don't care if it's 21-3 going into that fourth quarter. Every time we get the ball back, play offense like we need to score a touchdown. Play offense like it's 0-0 every time we have the ball. No more three runs and a punt. No more waiting until we absolutely have to have a first down to ice the game to fucking throw a fade. Be aggressive offensively. Don't care what the score is. Don't care how much we are up going into the fourth. And we better be fucking up going into the fourth. Play offense, call offense like it's 0-0. There's no way this team stops the run. Philly didn't do it. Washington didn't do it. Both defenses supposed to be pretty decent. Minnesota didn't do it. Also, another defense supposed to be decent. There's no fucking chance the Seattle Seahawks stop the run. Run the ball down their throat, play action, don't force anything. Jared Goff's been great. Jared Goff's been great. I, I know there were haters. I, I don't know if I was a hater, but I kind of said before the season, I don't think Jared Goff's good enough to 
you know, get us to a playoff spot. I don't think Jared Goff is that guy. I was still looking forward. Like, who are we going to draft? Do we maybe go make a move for Lamar Jackson after the season, et cetera? And that conversation will still be had. Jared Goff's been great. Love him or hate him. He's been fucking awesome through three games. Let him do what he does best. Run the ball a thousand times and then hit someone wide open in the play action. Be aggressive on both sides. Run the football. Do what you do best. And for the love of God, get a fucking straight jacket on Dan Campbell unless there's two minutes left to go and a half. Plain and simple. We This is a must win. You've got the Seahawks. Then we got the Patriots. Then we got the Cowboys. Three bad teams in a row. This is probably the worst of them at home coming off that loss. This is a must win football game for the Detroit Lions. If this team is what I think they are, what I think a lot of us had our eyes open to after week one, certainly after week two, if this is a team that might be hanging around in November and December, looking for a way into the playoffs, you absolutely have to win this game against Seattle. That's partly why it was so disappointing losing that game in Minnesota. You have to win this game against Seattle. They fucking stink. We're a pretty decent ball club this year. We may be one and two, outscoring our opponents 95-93. We're a decent club. You have to beat dog shit teams. Got to start beating okay teams and even a couple good teams now and then. You have to beat the dog shit teams, especially at home. One more break. We'll talk Michigan at Iowa, and we'll call it a day. This is the game of the week in Michigan, right? I mean, that Seahawks game, I think the Lions game is a big game just because, like I just said, they need to win. People will have the expectations. People will be tuned in on both sides. If you're a guy like me, you're an optimist, you're going to be fired up to see, is this team like kind of for real? Again, this team's probably not winning a playoff game. This team's certainly not a Super Bowl team, but are they kind of for real? Are they going to be hanging around in December? I think a lot of optimistic Lions fans will be looking for that. And then on the flip side, the loser, brain-dead, fucking burlap sack, same old Lions fans, they'll be watching to say, oh, I told you so. They couldn't even beat the Seahawks. I told you we stink. It's an important game, no doubt. I think this Michigan game at Iowa is the most interesting game. Michigan opens minus 11 on the road. That seems like a lot. Um, I know it's not a night game, which I think really – really, excuse me, favors Michigan. That place, Kinnick Stadium at night, nightmares, dude. I don't even have any memories of Michigan State going there and losing. Just other people. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan on the road at Kinnick at night. <laughs> Would not want my favorite top five team to go there. But fortunately for me, my top five team, my favorite team fucking stinks. So uh, they won't be in this position. Michigan is. I do think Michigan wins this game, plain and simple. At the end of the day, Iowa could not score at an Elton John concert with a Freddie Mercury mustache, plain and simple. They couldn't score with a 12-inch thing at a Japanese brothel. They couldn't score on a wide-open hoop if they were Shaquille O'Neal. All of the analogies, all of the metaphors, all of the similes. Iowa literally, I don't know if they score in practice. I don't know if when they're in t-shirts and shorts, just running through the plays, if they even score, I don't know if they get to the five yard line and just run into a fucking force field. Their offense blows. Spencer Petrus blows, dude. He cannot move. This guy legitimately looks like 
He runs in mud. He legitimately look like it's like his brain microprocessors are just going faster and faster. They're instantaneously can record information. It's like Mike or uh, Spencer Petras has a microprocessor that does the other thing. Like he sees something in his brain and his brain's supposed to tell him, all right, evade pressure, throw the ball, go right, go left. But he has something in his brain that like slows the information down. It's like he sees the guy coming one, one Mississippi two Mississippi. Oh, I should. Oh, now I should go. All right. This guy's coming one Mississippi two Mississippi. Now I'll get rid of it. He's the slowest looking guy. I've ever seen that might be due to his age. It feels like he's been there for 20 years. I don't know. This guy might be 32 with like four fake knees for all I know. Don't know how he's still the QB. Um, I do know that he's still bad. I do know that Iowa's offense is absolutely fucking embarrassing. And I do know that Michigan's defense is pretty good. Gave up Maryland or gave up 27 to Maryland last week. But again, we talked about Talia. I talked about him in last week's Thursday podcast about how he's a guy that's frisky. You could put him on any team in the country. They come to play you. They might be a little interesting just because he's got an arm. He's not afraid to attack the ball downfield, and he can use his legs and move around on you. He can run. He can make time for himself. He can do a lot of things. I know Maryland football doesn't jump off the paper, right, put the fear of God into you. Talia Tagovailoa is one of those guys that should make you a little nervous. And I know Michigan fans felt it last week. Spencer Petras is not Talia Tagovailoa. Iowa's offense is not Maryland's offense. Whoever the fuck their best wide receiver is, is not Rakeem Jarrett. They will struggle to put up one single point on the board. It's just how it is. Iowa, I don't know how. Like, it it reminds me of the D'Antonio Michigan State teams where it was like three years in a row. We had a top 10 defense and three years in a row, we had a bottom 10 offense. If you're Iowa, Kirk Ferentz has been there for fucking ever. Never going to get fired. Lifetime contract for some reason. I guess that's what you get for losing Big Ten championships. I don't know how he's been the coach there for that long. And they've had that many great defenses. Because again, Iowa feels like a school similar to those Michigan State teams where they've always got at least a pretty good defense. And they can never, never score the ball. When they lost to Michigan in the Big Ten last year, couldn't score. When they lost to MSU in 2015, couldn't fucking score. They never can put up points. That said, the defense is great for Iowa. They've only given up 23 this year. Two of those teams have been cupcakes. Iowa State, that's a pretty good matchup. Um, They did lose that game, but they've still only given up 23 points. That's pretty impressive. I do think Michigan will struggle a little bit offensively. I think we kind of saw them struggle – at times against Maryland, they still put up 34, which is more than enough, right? That's still a quality number. But we saw a couple times where it was like, oh, all right, maybe JJ's not all there. Maybe this defense, you know, confused them a little bit. Maybe, the, you know, the wide receivers in him aren't quite honed in. We saw a couple possessions, couple throws, couple plays where it looked like Michigan was affected by the level up in competition going from a Hawaii to a Maryland. And I think they'll see another jump going from a Hawaii to a Maryland to an Iowa. I mean, to give up 23 points in four games, you're playing absurd defense. You are playing lights out defense. I think JJ, again, will be a little bit surprised where now these guys even are a little bit faster than Maryland's. These linebackers are a little bit stronger than Maryland's. These defensive ends are a little bit 
quicker, a little bit better in there, a little bit faster than Maryland. Everything. I mean, Iowa beat Rutgers last week, 27 to 10. I haven't watched Rutgers play, but I've read about them and I've read people say Rutgers isn't so bad this year. How true that is. I'm not certain. I've read it. Um, the fact they beat San Diego State seven to three, pathetic. How do you only score seven points against San Diego State? Are they even Division One? They lost to Iowa State 10-7. <clears throat> Again, seven points. That's horrible. They beat Nevada 27-0. And then Rutgers 27-10. So the defense is real. The defense is real. It will be interesting. Again, I will. I do think they'll give Michigan some problems. I do think JJ will see a couple more growing pains, maybe another interception, or at the very least, maybe a couple plays where he holds onto the ball too long, um, just makes the wrong read, gets confused, maybe a couple more ill-advised throws where he's trying to force something. The defense is there. He should throw the ball away, or he should tuck it for two yards, and he tries to make a play anyway. We could see, I think, a, a, maybe a little bit more of that tends to happen. You get a guy like JJ who's got a vibranium right shoulder. He knows he's the man. He is a dog. But they get in those positions where all of a sudden the defense is doing what they're supposed to. Defense is covering guys. That's not how it's supposed to go. But he's so confident in what he can do and where he can put the ball that he throws it anyway. But when you're playing a defense like Iowa that has playmakers at every level, all of a sudden that turns into an interception or a near interception or whatever the case may be. So I do think Michigan will struggle a little bit offensively. I don't think that means they're going to be shut out or anything because I don't, I don't know how Iowa scores, to be honest. Like unless Iowa's playbook is backyard football and it's flea flicker, fucking Statue of Liberty, swinging gate, I don't know how Iowa scores more than 10. Put up seven on San Diego State. How the fuck do they score more than a touchdown? You know what I'm saying? Unless they return a kick or there's a scoop and score or a pick six, the defense and the special teams are kicking in. I don't know how Iowa scores more than like 10 points, to be quite frank. And even though I do think Michigan's offense will struggle a little, I think even maybe more so like in the first half, Michigan, it'll be like 10-3 at halftime or something where Michigan – can't quite get it going. Blake Corum's not just smooth sailing every time he gets the ball. J.J. doesn't have all day every time he drops back. Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson aren't four yards in front of their guy on every single route pattern. I do think Michigan maybe struggles a little bit more in the first half. And then they go into halftime, they make a couple adjustments, and they figure it out enough to score a couple more times. And I just never see Iowa making those adjustments. I just never see Iowa... Like, you couldn't figure out how to score on San Diego State. You couldn't figure out how to score on Iowa State. How do you figure out how to score on Michigan? I guess, granted, they figured out how to score on Rutgers, um, 27. But, like, that's what's fucked is 27 points for Iowa. That feels like 50 for most teams. You know what I'm saying? 27 points. They're in the locker room like, this offense fucking exploded. We're electric. And it's like 27 is not terrible. 27 is a respectable number, but Michigan can compete with that. Michigan will be able to put up more than 27. And you're not exploding, I don't think, against Michigan. The vibes will be high. Kinnick's going to be electric. They'll have that on their side. I think that's another reason why the def or I mean uh, Michigan's offense may struggle a little bit. This is going to be the most hostile environment they've been in this year by far. 
I mean, they haven't even been on the road yet, let alone at a place like fucking Kinnick. The place is going to be buzzing. Iowa City is going to be buzzing. Like, you will feel it in the air if you're at this game that everybody knows it's a big one. Everybody knows there's a top dog in town, and everybody wants to knock their sorry ass off. I think JJ, his first time being a starter in an absolutely crazy environment like that, a lot of these guys this season, you probably get a little bit jaded to what it's like calling offense when you can't hear yourself fucking think, let alone trying to adjust at the line, hearing the route patterns, changing the play. Shit's tough to do, dude. Shit's probably tough to do for them at the big house. And those fans are on their side. What happens when you go to Kinnick and there's however many tens of thousands that don't want you to hear at a place that's notorious for teams struggling where top five teams go to die. I mean, Jim Harbaugh said it himself. I, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I just don't get how Iowa scores though. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I just don't get it. I'd love to talk to the biggest Iowa fan on the planet earth and have them explain it to me. Like, this is how Iowa wins. Unless the game, unless the game's like 10, seven, I, I just don't see how Iowa scores. And that's how Iowa plays a lot of games. That's how Iowa wants to win this game. But even though I do think Michigan's offense will struggle for all the reasons I've listed, I, again, they're just too talented to only score seven points. You know, Michigan, JJ, the wideouts, Harbaugh, the roster in year eight of Harbaugh. There's just too much there for them to get held to like seven by Iowa, even if it is on the road even if it is by far the best defense they've played all year, even if it is his first time starting in a true road game at a kind of crazy place, there's just too much talent. There's too much scheming. Harbaugh has been there too many times before for them to be held to like seven points, 14 points. And if you're Michigan and if you get over like 14, you've got to feel pretty good. Like if you, if you're Michigan, I'm sitting there going, if we score 17 or more, like we're going to win the game. If you score in the 20s, you got to be going. It's a lock. I don't know how Iowa scored. Iowa booming, Iowa exploding offensively. It's like 14. <clears throat> the final 17-14 Michigan. And Iowa's offense played the game of their lives. That's how I look at it, honestly. I just don't understand. I just don't understand how Iowa competes offensively. And at the end of the day, no matter how much Michigan struggles, there's too much for them to get held to fucking 10. It's too much for them to get held to seven. And if Iowa can't score on San Diego State, how the fuck are they going to score when Junior Colson's playing linebacker? How are they going to score on DJ Turner and Will Johnson? Spencer Petras fucking stinks when they're wearing pennies in July. How is he going to throw it on the top? What was it? Top 10 player, five-star corner, Will Johnson. How's he going to throw it on him? How's he going to throw it with Michigan's pass rushers bearing down on him? You know, like there's just so many things. I don't know. I don't know. They have the upset factor going for him, the extra motivation. They're at home, but it's like, dude, at the end of the day, all that fairy dust, rah, rah, Disney movie, Mighty Ducks bullshit only goes so far. At the end of the day, you're Iowa. You couldn't fucking score if there were six-year-olds lined up across from you. And they're Michigan. They're just way faster than you. Their quarterback's better than yours. Their offensive line's better than yours. Their defensive line's better than, like, every single way. Like, their players just better than yours. You can have the noise. You can have the motivation story. 
You can have getting beat by 39 the last time you guys played. They got J.J. McCarthy. You have Spencer Petras. I Like, I just don't. Right? They put up 34 on Maryland. You put up seven on San Diego State. And that was week one. So four weeks ago now, they did put up 27 on Rutgers, but I don't know. Iowa's won the last five or five of the last six of its games against top five opponents at Kinnick Stadium. But again, I just have a hard time believing it. I know the environment's going to be crazy. I know Iowa's going to be all in on the underdog role. I hope they stripe the stadium. Looks sick when they do it at Iowa. Um, but again. Your quarterback, Spencer Petrus, dude. Like he should be renting out cars at Enterprise. You know what I'm saying? Kirk Ferentz, half his body is at a fucking retirement home on Martha's Vineyard. He just has like a dead body clone that shows up to coach these games. He doesn't care. He hasn't cared about improving the offense for like 10 years. Think this game against Michigan will be any different? I just don't see a way Iowa wins unless this game's like 14-10. And I don't see a way Michigan doesn't score more than like 14 themselves. As good as Iowa's defense is, how do you stop that? That many times. When your offense, three and out, three and out, three and out. I don't know. We'll see though. It'll be a fun game. If I'm a Michigan fan, I'm definitely a little nervous. Like just anytime you get in that role, go into that stadium, they do have the underdog factor going. Anytime you're in that position, I think it's fair to be a little bit nervous, right? It's fair to be like, oh, all right, let's see how this fucking – see how this game goes. Like, it's your first real, real competition. Maryland was your first real competition last week. They made you sweat a little bit. Now you go to Kinnick. Now you play a lights-out defense. Now you play a team that historically has had your and other top five teams' numbers. I don't know. I'd wake up with a couple butterflies Saturday if I was a Michigan fan. So, we'll see how it goes. All right, folks, that's all I got this week. Um, if you're a fan of the shirts – the second string.com this weekend. If you've noticed, if you followed along, I've been putting a new design or a new product on sale every weekend. So I got a bunch of stuff in the store that I just leave on there permanently, mainly old designs. So like from last football season, last basketball season, whatever, all the new stuff I'm putting out for this football season, for this basketball season, hockey season, both right around the corner. Red Wings, by the way, looking pretty good. Elmer Soderblom looks like he's going to make the big club. All these designs. I put out that Pistons design, I think, in August, mid to end of August. Put it out for one weekend. Did unbelievable. I appreciate the support. People love them. I had people DMing me after. How do I get it? How do I get it? This weekend, the secondstring.com, that same Pistons design, the tees, the sand-colored tee, the black tee, the white tee, the teal tee, the hoodie, the crew neck, that new, it says Detroit in the teal font. It's got Cade, Jade, and Ivy, the horses, the buildings. That is on sale. It is back in the store the secondstring.com for this weekend. When in the store Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern, it'll be gone Sunday at midnight. It is on sale this weekend and then it's gone again. I will release it one more time at an undisclosed date. I will put it out one more time at a date. I will not tell you when that date is, but this is your second to last chance to buy it. The secondstring.com. You want that Detroit teal design? It is in the store right now, assuming it's Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern or later. Don't miss your chance. I don't want more DMs saying, oh, man, I missed it. This is your chance. Follow me. Follow the Detroiter, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. 
Follow the second string on Instagram. All your updates, all your notifications are there. Do not miss out. I'm going to keep going with this weekend thing. The following weekend, we'll have a couple more college things, Michigan, Michigan State. The weekend after that, um, I've got some, I've got another Lions design that I'm putting the finish t- finishing touches on. I've got a Red Wings design coming out for the start of the season. Um, I'm going to do a Seattle design at some point. I'm going to start doing more streetwear. Every weekend, something's going to be there, and it'll be there just for the weekend. So if you miss it, it's gone forever. So you're going to want to tap in if you're into the shirts, into the designs. And I know there's other brands, like Sauna's the big one, popping off in Detroit. Makes cool shit, no doubt. Cool shit. Um, If you're not, if you don't need everything you wear to have skeletons on it, or you don't want to spend $100 on a t-shirt, I'm your guy. I'm telling you, I'm your guy. The art is unbelievable. It's top-notch as well. The art could go pound for pound with any fucking streetwear designer in the game. I promise you that. And the shirts are like 35 bucks after tax. Sweaters, hoodies are like 50 something after tax. You're not spending $130 on a hoodie. The quality is beautiful. Trust me. I've been through the process. I've been doing this for like two years. Now it's gaining steam. We've got the best t-shirts. We've got the best hoodies. We've got the best designs. I'm telling you, or at least some of them, it's affordable. I promise you. This is my number one guarantee of satisfaction with all of the second string stuff I do. I promise you, if you wear a shirt, you wear a hoodie, you wear any of the designs, could be sports related, could be streetwear related, any of them. If you wear them out, I swear at least one person will comment, compliment it every single time. Every friend I have that buys stuff, they come back to me and go, dude, the amount of compliments I got today. I got this girl the other day. She bought one of the Michigan Hail to the Victor sweaters. She texts me. She goes, I'm out grocery shopping and I probably had at least 10 people. We live in California, by the way. We live in Southern California. She texts me out of the blue Sunday goes, yeah, I'm wearing the uh, Michigan sweater. I've had at least 10 people at the grocery store comment on it. Everywhere you go, you will stand out from the crowd. You will generate a buzz. People, You're going to wear it and already feel great because the design is sick. The shirt fits nice. And then everyone's going to come up to you and be like, holy shit, that shirt rules. You're going to feel on top of the world. So if you're a Pistons fan, if you like streetwear, Detroit streetwear, the the teal Detroit shirts back on sale, the secondstring.com, don't miss out. Okay. I usually don't go that hard on the the shirt promotion, usually a little quicker. Anyways, that's all I got on this feed this week. If you notice, if you're following the YouTube, I'm going to start trying to upload a YouTube video every day. I want to start doing other sports and other jokes. So I used to do another podcast but I don't want to do as long form. I want to do like eight to 12 minute videos where like yesterday's video, I was talking about the bears today's I'm going to put one out where I'm talking about the Eagles. So check those out. Just talking about random college football, NFL shit. And then I'm going to start doing other just life stuff, like random jokes, kind of the one podcast where I was like, Oh, I saw police shootings and it's because police officers are always in traffic because everybody slows down when they see them. I'm going to do other shit like that on the YouTube. I want to pump the YouTube. I'm going to keep doing this podcast but I want to get the content like fucking churning. I'm always going to do the Detroit stuff. I'm always going to do the shirts, but I want to start doing more content that if you're a Bears fan you're into or an Eagles fan you're into or a fucking Rams fan or Cowboys, whatever, or a USC fan, a Texas fan, a Washington fan, whatever. I want to start doing more stuff for different fan bases, not just Detroit, not just Michigan. And same for the shirts. I said, I'm going to do a Seattle design. I want to do a Philadelphia Eagles design. I've got some friends from there. I want to do an Ohio State design. I want. I live in Southern California. I want to do a USC design. So I want to start building this thing out. 
going to take time. It's going to be hard. It's just me doing all of this. So bear with me. The videos, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not a master editor. I'm trying to edit them a little bit, make them a little funny. It's hard. Fucking editing is so time consuming and challenging. Um, but I want to build this out. So if you've been here, if you've been supporting, I fucking love you. Mwah. Mwah. Great. Go get yourself a nice coffee, would you? It's pretty much the weekend. Go get a coffee, get a bagel, get a croissant. Text that girl, ask her to dinner tomorrow night. Wear your best suit or second string design. Go meet her at fucking Jay Alexander's. Have the tilapia. Don't split the check. This one's on you, but maybe she'll pick up the next one. Go catch a movie afterwards. Give her a kiss on the cheek and say, I'll see you next weekend. Treat yourself. I appreciate everybody who supports. I appreciate everybody who spreads the word, who buys the shirts. Subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Anything. If you've ever left a comment, you've ever sent a message, you guys rule. I'm hoping. Let's like fucking, let's find more of you guys um, or girls. I have a feeling though it's more guy dominated, but you know, I'd love to change that. Let's get the ladies in here. Anyways, hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. We'll be back on the Detroiter Tuesday.